You're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we're coming to you for what will be our final episode of Dear Reader from Melbourne Library Service. Hi, Justine. Hi, Natalie. How's your heart feel? It's a bit full. Full of books? Absolutely. Always. (laughs) And sadness. But... And joy. And joy. Yeah, repeat the sounding joy. Should we sing that? No, we should definitely not sing. (laughs) As this is our final episode, we are going to be incredibly Mm -hmm. self-indulgent and talk a bit about our reading habits and our all-time favourite books. I think that sounds like a great idea, Natalie. That's the best way for it. It's a happy ending. Well, before we get started, we want to remind you, our listeners, that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So please tweet us at MelbLibrary, that's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y, with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download previous Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. All the books we mentioned today, all of our favourite books of all time, will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, which you can find at our website, www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. All right, Justine, let's talk about reading. Mm. I very, very much would like to know, where do you read? I'm uh, Yeah, I think I'm pretty boring. I read on the couch. I often read on the tram, but it's only if I can get a seat. If I'm standing, I'm I'm listening to podcasts, clearly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just sit on the couch and read. The TV could be on, my partner could be talking to me. I don't hear any of it. I just I just I'm a I'm a sit on the couch and read kind of girl. How many cushions do you have like uh, only the you up? one. Only the one cushion and a little blankie, which I love mm-hmm. that my brother gave me. It's pink, it's fluffy, it's warm. And uh, I have I have plans though. Uh, the study is coming together. They're is a wonder, I have a reading chair, which at the moment is not in use, so I can't wait to get the study sort of organised and put the chair in there and then I'll have my own reading room where it won't matter if the TV's on because it won't be in front of me. But, uh, yeah, couch is fine. I, I really don't mind. I can pretty much read anywhere as long as I'm sitting down. And and what do you have by you when you're reading? Nothing if I can help it. Nothing? Yeah, no, I don't like clutter. Okay. Mm, what about you? Oh, a cat, a cup of tea, <laughs> my mobile phone, uh, some kind of snack, a glass of water. I can maybe give you a cup of tea and I have my blankie. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, blanket, yeah. sure. I don't really, I don't notice my phone. I, if it's there, it's on silent and upside down. So, like, yeah, I'm reading, Natalie. I'm too busy to talk on the phone or look at Facebook. Yeah. You're nodding. (laughs) Yeah. My phone's usually playing music to drown out all other sounds. That's so interesting. I I would just not hear the music after a while. Yeah, that's the idea. But what's the, well, but I just don't hear anything anyway. Like like I said, someone can be talking to me and the TV can be on and I won't hear it. Because you're reading? Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm too easily distracted. Particularly on public transport, when I read on the tram, I have my headphones on and I'm listening to an album and I curate my music choices based on what I'm reading. Mm. I think about the characters in the book. What would they, what would they be listening to? That's, that's cool. Yeah. I would never spend that much time thinking about the music that I'm not going to listen to because I'm too busy reading. Well, it becomes part of the book for me. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why it doesn't work for me, though, is because I just get so into the book that I will, I will not hear people talking around me. I, will, I literally will not hear. Like, my partner has to touch me and sh- like almost shake me and go, hello, I'm talking to you. And I'm like, oh, you were? I didn't hear a thing. Um, yeah, I don't hear people on the tram. I would miss my stop if I wasn't careful, basically. Um, I sit on the 
couch with my nearest and dearest and um, it's silent in the house and it's delightful (laughs) and I'm reading and then he'll start to watch a video on his phone and I have to put the book down and just stare into the distance like like a cranky, (laughs) very cranky person and he gets the impression very quickly that I need to, uh, (laughs) I need a bit of silence. Mm, Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, I have a question for you then, Okay, ask away. Do you ever cheat on a book? As in, do you skip the boring bits, skim descriptions, or ever read the end first? I'm betting you don't. I don't. Uh Aha. But you know how I cheat on books? How? I read multiple books at once. That's not cheating. Well, if one knew that I was reading another instead of them, they might feel a little upset. (laughs) Maybe. Um, And I also give up. Uh, well, you see, yeah. See, I don't think that's cheating. I think that is just dumping. Yeah, maybe that's dumping. straight up dumping, and that's okay. The older I get, the more I dump books. Yeah, yeah. Life's too short to read a bad book. It's hard, particularly if you feel invested or if a lot of people have recommended the book to you. If I feel like I'm not getting it, sometimes I'll punish myself by continuing to read it in the hope that I will <laughs> that's get terrible. it. Terrible. So, like I just want to be like everybody else, though. No, you don't. Well, I'm not, no. even though I try. <laughs> so, see, I do, but I will um, persist. Yeah. I will persist on occasion if I feel like I want to get this. Mm. If I'm determined to understand or like something, I'll persist. Uh, but there's been the old one where I've done the same, but because I've known the people I've trusted to recommend me, you know, books have said get through the first half. The second half is where it takes off. Yeah, like Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Yeah, that's what springs to mind there. Um, I must admit, I do skim overly descriptive passages, but I also read quite quickly. So it might be skimming to some, but it's not really like I am taking in most of the words, generally yeah. speaking. And I very occasionally have flipped to the end and gone, "Am I going to like this? All right, let's see how they get there." <laughs> what? I'm a bit naughty sometimes. No, well, I don't want to read it if it's not going to end well. But that's the point of reading. Not always. Sometimes it's the journey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you said journey. What is this, American Idol? No. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it could be a cooking show. Sometimes I talk about food journeys. <laughs> I love food. Is your next question for me about food? No, it's not. Oh, what? No. How about I ask you a question <laughs> then? Do. Uh, what made you choose the book that you're currently reading? Oh, it's called The Wanderers by Meg Howie, I think, and uh, I've picked it because it is dystopian, uh, which I do like. It's set in space, except it's not, which I also like the twist there. Um, and, yeah, it was recommended by a few people who I uh, I think have good taste and who, generally speaking, if I read what they recommend, I like. or well, not always. So, yeah, I guess it's by genre and by people's recommendations. Hmm. What about you? Do you... How do I choose what I'm reading? Well, Dear Reader punishes me a lot and makes me read (laughs) things I wouldn't normally read, which is brilliant. It's always good to be thrust outside one's comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently uh, reading The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. I had hoped to finish that uh, before our previous episode, the page-to-screen episode, and then watch the movie Carol with Mm. um, Kate Blanket. Um, (laughs) And because uh, I love a nice blanket in mm, winter. Um, mm. So I, yes, I had high hopes that I would get through the book and the film before that episode. But um, yeah, that episode deadline has come and gone, but yet I punish myself still and read it. Well, I am enjoying it, pun- it. I was going to say, it's not a punishment. It's not a punishment. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I mean, I'm still doing my homework from a previous episode <laughs> when I could quite easily 
not because I don't need to read it for a deadline mm. to talk about it, um, which is how I've been choosing a lot of books actually over mm. the last two years have been specifically for Dear Reader. But I also find that I'll be listening to a podcast about books or I'll be reading a, a magazine in a waiting room somewhere and a bo- I'll come across a book review and I'll immediately log into the library's catalogue and put that book on reserve. Yeah, I do that. And then four weeks later a book comes in for me on reserve and I'm staring at it thinking, <laughs> what is this book about? I do why, that too. <laughs> why is it, who put this on reserve for me? Who's hacked my library account? <laughs> why did I choose this? Exactly. Did I choose this? <laughs> a book came in yesterday um, by Kath Crowley and I reviewed one of her books for our YA episode, yeah. which feels like it was five years ago. It was probably only four <laughs> episodes ago. But So this book has come in by Kath Crowley. It's adult. It's mm. not YA. Um and it, it's bra- it's a brand new book. Like it was just recently purchased by the library. I could be the first person to borrow it. And I'm reading the back of it going, I don't know what this is for. <laughs> like, what, will I? So I borrowed it. I'll yeah, read it. I don't know. Have a go. I will, of yeah. course. But I um. But yeah, sometimes it's in the moment of hearing about something. Oh, my sister will tell me about a book and I trust her recommendations above almost everyone else. So she'll tell me about something and I'll immediately put it on reserve. And sometimes they're books that are on order. Like they, they're pre um pre-publishing or mm. pre, pre-publication dates that she's sort of usually talking, she's got inside knowledge. Mm. So she tells me about things long before they're available. So I'll put a reserve on a book that's on order. So sometimes it takes months before it comes in. And by that yeah. stage, I truly have zero memory <laughs> of it. <laughs> I do exactly the same because, you know, we can suggest purchases as well on the library website. Anybody yes. can do that, by the way, dear listeners. Um, but yeah, so I'll often just be suggesting we buy this thing and then, yeah, months will pass and this book turns up and I'm like, no, no idea. But I'll borrow it. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun, that, actually. It's yes. like a little surprise, you know, a little gift. Books are gifts. Books are gifts, Natalie. They're <laughs> one of life's most amazing gifts. I'm going to crochet that onto a pillow. Oh, and, and give it to me. And I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Two gifts in one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, do you want to talk about books now? <laughs> I, we, we probably should. Yeah. No, I think it's fun to talk about the reading experience uh, because I, I, we all read differently, and there are there will be some similarities, but there's a lot of different ways that people do read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about our all-time favorite books. Do you want to go first this time? I never go first. I know. Are you sure? Yeah. Why not? Let's change Aww. it up. It's our last episode. So in terms of favourite books of all time, I just read this two months ago. (laughs) So it's a big call, but I think it's going to stay up in the best books of all time because it was written by George Saunders. It's Mm. his first novel called Lincoln in the Bardo. Very um, anticipated book. It was published this year, debut novel. This author has got to be in his 50s. And he's written short stories, essays, articles for magazines. He's actually a genius. Mm. I don't know if you've ever met many geniuses. Just yourself. He's a genius. I met him. I went to a talk that he did for the Wheeler Centre and then afterwards I shook his hand and my sister had the li- his library book. He had his, had his book from our library service on loan and I sort of got him to sign it. Oh, wow. So there's a library book signed by George Saunders. Yes, and if you steal it, I will find you. <laughs> It belongs to the library. You can borrow it and you can photocopy his signature if you love him as much as me, but that book never leaves the library service. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Lincoln in the Bardo is about Abraham Lincoln's grief after the death of his 11-year-old son, Willie, at the dawn of the Civil War in 1862. It's as far from funny as it gets. This is a true fact and the book is essentially a reimagining of this really tragic story. And the story exists in newspaper articles and snippets that are over 100 years old, which is kind of an amazing way to write a, 
an, a fiction novel. Um, Willie has been laid to rest in a marble crypt in a cemetery, but uh, one night, shattered by grief, Abraham Lincoln arrives at the cemetery under the cover of darkness, all tall and lanky. You've got this sort of picture of Abraham Lincoln in your head on a horse that must have just appeared like a, you know, a, a toy pony underneath his enormous frame. Um, and he visits Willie's crypt alone and he holds his son's body and weeps. Oh, just dissolves you into a puddle of tears and sends shivers up your spine at the same time. This book is full of Lincoln's grief and it's so intense as you're reading it. So over the course of that night, the ghosts of the recently passed people in this cemetery and the long dead who have sort of haunted, I guess, the cemetery, tell the story of Lincoln's visits. The voices take turns in narrating the entire novel. In fact, we do not hear from Lincoln at all. All of the narrators in the book are ghosts. And the audiobook version of the of the book has 166 voices. Wow. So there are that many characters in the book. Incredible. Um, for the first few pages of reading the book, I had no idea what was going on. This is one of those books where I just persisted and it paid off immensely for me. It's structured like a play in that uh, there's a paragraph and it's attributed to one person or there's a snippet from a newspaper and it's attributed to a journalist and, a, and a, a publication. And so it looks like what you're reading is a series of very short quotes, but essentially it does come together as a novel. Um, the audiobook that I mentioned with 166 person cast um, has members of Saunders' actual family. So he's partner, his kids, his relatives, but also members of his publishing team. So you've got all the kind of behind the scenes publishing team part of it. But then you've also got actors and musicians. You've got names that you'll recognise like Nick Offerman, David Sedaris, Carrie Brownstein, Miranda July, Lena Dunham, Ben Stiller, Julianne Moore, Susan Sarandon, Bill Hader. And the mm. music is done by um, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, which is a real treat and a delight. So I'm really looking forward to going back to the book as an audiobook because it will immerse me in that story in a completely different way. And it's one way really for your best books of all time to keep coming back to you is to reread or to listen to them or to experience them in a slightly different way. So I'm really looking forward to a bit of time passing before I can get into the audiobook and dip straight in. So I don't know how that made it to my favourite books of all time because <laughs> I really did read it two months ago. But it's just, it's stuck with me. The structure's amazing. The fact that it's so multi-voiced, I should stop talking about it. <laughs> Do you have a favourite book of all time that you read two months ago or did you read it a few, like a few, well, a few years ago? Uh, so I have a lot of favourite books. Usually when people ask me what's your favourite book, I have to give this answer because I've read this book more times than years I've been alive and every time I read it I, I tend to focus on a different aspect to it and, yeah, okay, probably by now, given this <clears throat> quite a few years uh, <laughs> I've been around, um, so quite a few times I've read the book, oh, uh, nearly 40, um, I, I probably am going over stuff I've already understood and recognised but I think at the different times in your life you, you pull out different things things. Anyway, the book is The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm. Um, I'm sure everybody listening knows this book, uh, but basically the future of civilization rests in the fate of the one ring which has been lost for centuries. Powerful forces are unrelenting in their search for it, but fate has placed it in the hands of a young hobbit named Frodo Baggins, who inherits the ring and steps into legend. Uh, so his task is 
is as he becomes the ring bearer to destroy the one ring in the fires of Mount Doom where it was forged. And basically it's this huge, sprawling, mostly trilogy. I think it's been, but when it was first published, I believe it was published in about six or seven smaller books. And when I first read it, I first read it as one book complete. Um, and so it's been interesting for me reading in, a, in different formats, even in the, the physical form. And then obviously it's been made into movies and things like that as well. But uh, The Lord of the Rings, look, I have, I have a lot of of um, issues with the way Tolkien writes women, which he doesn't really, <laughs> but uh, I think that the world building and the the characters and the language and just there is so much that I love about it. And I'll read it one time and I'll focus on, you know, on Frodo and you know, and and Samwise going into Mordor, or the next time I'll focus on Aragorn and and you know, his companions searching for the young hobbits that are lost and another time I'll focus um, on the, you know, the elves and just different bits that will just jump out at me depending on, I suppose, what I'm feeling at the time or how old I am when I'm reading it. <laughs> so, yeah, I absolutely would call The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien my all-time favourite book. But there's plenty more, mm -hmm. as I know you have plenty more, Natalie. Yeah, I don't know that I have one favourite book of all time. I just mm. have heaps of them. Yeah. Should I tell you about like a, like 500 of them? Because we both have 500, so go. Okay. Um, okay, this is a <laughs> this is a wacky one. Um, the Babysitter's Club. So That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, there's no shame here. Good, thanks. <laughs> this is a kind of silence recording studio. Hey, don't tell anyone I said okay, that. Okay, Natalie, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the first series I ever read and it was a series that I would save up my... Um, uh, pocket pocket money for and uh, after two weeks I think I had enough to go and buy the next one and we would get on the bus and go down to the local shopping centre and head to the chain bookstore which doesn't exist anymore and I'd hand over my, I don't know, $5.95 or whatever it was and get installment number 10 and 11 and 12. I still have the first 20 wow. on my shelves where I live as an adult, not stashed away <laughs> at mum's house. It's And it's pride of place. So it's on top of the bookshelf. I've got the first 20. I think I have the first two or three super specials. And anyhow, a colleague of ours here at Melbourne Library Service has been rereading all of them in conjunction with listening to the Babysitter's Club Club podcast. So these two gentlemen have made a podcast where they discuss every single Babysitter's Club book. And wow. our colleague, Alice, is reading the book and then listening to the podcast discussion about that book and How then reading fun. the next one. And then, yes, right? Yes. So she's almost convinced me. To do it? To do it. I, I'm convinced already. I, I always do the I first 20 without having to look <laughs> for the books. I'll never forget Christy's big idea. It was That's number one. I know. That's why I'll never forget it. That is number one. I know. Off the top of my head, too. Marianne and Dawn and... Mm, Stacey. Yeah, Stacey. <laughs> they were twins in there as well. Mm. It, was, it was no Trixie Belden, but there you go, baby. <laughs> Tick, next. All right, well, my... Um, oh, the next, I suppose, all-time favourite book is one that I remember reading... Oh, in primary school, and it just stuck with me. I still recommend it to this day. I've recommended it to anybody, really, adults, young people. It doesn't matter. It's by Tamora Pierce, and it's the Alana series, and the first one's called Alana, the First Adventure. And it's really one of the first um, books I remember where this female, there's a strong female character where it's adventure, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just 
it's high stakes. It's there. There's fantasy elements, and certainly that particular series. There's four books in the series, and it goes on to become a bit more um, fantasy. Like the first one, yeah, it's fantasy, but it's it's more knights um, <laughs> rather than anything else. But uh, oh, it's a brilliant series, and just one of those key moments in my childhood where I was always a reader, but this one just made me go, books are awesome, mm-hmm. you know, books and and awesome. seeing a young woman as the main character. Yeah, okay, she has to pretend to be a boy to get accepted to be a knight, um, but, you know, it all comes good eventually. And <laughs> it's just brilliant. I just, I absolutely loved it. So that's never um, far from my brain, and I actually do own those ones, and I do, I reread them. In fact, every single book I'm going to talk about, I reread, and that's probably how I know, for me, it's an all-time favourite. If I don't bother yeah. rereading it, then it really hasn't made that much of a mark, but if I, I have to go back, then that's important. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. next. Um, the Elena Ferranti book. Neapolitan series, My Brilliant Friend, (laughs) Story of a New Name, Those Who Leave and Those Who Stay and the Story of the Lost Child. I just, I think about those characters often. I really do. And I am not much of a rereader, but those are books that I would like to reread. I would like to find the right time, whether it's a holiday or a like a, I do like projects, you know, I like a, <laughs> you know, I like a project, but maybe it's a one every Christmas or something, but I will get to a point in my life where I will go back and revisit those books. They just had such a huge impact in my recent reading life um, that I think they will uh, continue to be important to me. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Classic. Absolute classic. Uh, I read it in high school the fact that firemen were people who burnt books just sh- was shocking and is still shocking to me and I've read it since and it still retains its power over me. Mm. Love it. Or every biography ever written about Dusty Springfield. <laughs> I am a sucker for Dusty. I love her so much. Her music is so incredible. It's a huge, a huge part of my life but her life story um, is is just fascinating. I find it, yeah, so enthralling and sad. There's something incredibly sad about her life. Um, and so I very much like to read about Dusty Springfield. Mm. Uh, the Magician Trilogy by Raymond E. Feist. I say that because there are about 20 books in the whole entire series, like there's series upon series upon series, but that first three, um, Magician, Silverthorn and Darkness at Sethanon, are brilliant. Uh, apparently Magician is now split between like Apprentice and Master these days, but I just read it as one and it's fabulous good versus evil gods and men and just complete world building and dragons and I loved it. The History of Love by Nicole Krauss. Mm. It's like a multi-generational story where you've got two characters with the same name and a manuscript that may or may not have been written by two different people you decide and a really beautiful love story. Just mm, beautiful. Uh, anything pretty much by Anne McCaffrey, especially the Dragon Riders of Pern series. Again, with the dragons, actually, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> it's just brilliant series. I particularly love the fact that there's prequels, which incorporate a lot more science fiction, um, but the majority of the series is more fantasy. Um, I also love the Crystal Singer series and the Brain Ship series. Crystal Singer is definitely fantasy and the Brain Ship is definitely more science fiction. But, yeah, anything by Anne McCaffrey. <laughs> That's my comfort zone. I love it. The dragons? Oh, wow. All of it, but, yeah. Hmm. Um, Rosemary's Baby by R11 is such a good book. Oh, that's all. Okay. Um, Pretty much anything by Philip K. Dick, but particularly Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep Mm. and The Man in the High Castle, which TV series also good. Hmm. 
Um, Elizabeth Strout is my new literary crush, so I'm making my way back through her books. Um, yes, I think I've read three and I think there is something like five million, so I'll make my way <laughs> through my Elizabeth Strout crush for a little longer. I'm looking forward to that. I've not hit, she's not hit a, not written a bad word. Lovely. Not a bad sentence. <laughs> um, New Romancer by William Gibson. Really important uh, in a lot of ways to me when I read it, um, but more so because William Gibson coined the um, term cyberspace. And, mm. uh, yeah, we owe a lot to him and his brain, and I loved that book. It's crazy and weird and wonderful and all about artificial intelligence. And, yeah, love it. Hmm. What's next on my list? Um, Tom Wolfe books. Um, The Candy Coloured Tangerine Flake Streamline Baby and The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test and Bonfire of the Vanities and about 500 others. Tom Wolfe is great. I discovered him in my 20s and read him for about a decade and I haven't gone back to him for a decade, so I trust that he's still (laughs) as brilliant as he was. But they're books that I can't throw away. Every time I move, my Tom Tom Wolfe's... And, you know, all of the books-to-film books come with me as well. But the Tom Wolfe collection, just I can't, I can't ever let go of it. It made such an impact on me when I read it. So Tom Wolfe. Lovely. Uh, Neil Stevenson's early work, so mo- mostly Snow Crash and The Diamond Age. I really loved his, those two particularly. His later stuff, mm, eh, I can take it or leave it. But, yeah, Snow Crash and The Diamond Age, really interesting thinking about the future and technology. Most of Stephen King's books, mm-hmm. because they prefer to read and get scared than watch something and get scared. I agree completely. Yeah. I didn't even like to read and get scared, really. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of reading and getting scared, no. Uh, the Harry Potter series. How can that not be all-time favourites? I just cannot forget every single time that the next book came out how excited I was to get it as an adult, you know, and I can mm. only imagine what it would be like being a child reading those books for the first time. And I wish I could go back and read them for the first time, but the next best thing is to reread the whole series just straight through, one to seven, go. Love it. Um, yeah, I could read them for the first time. Natalie, are you a librarian or what? You know what? That wasn't on the test. <laughs> it wasn't on the test. It and, should be. And so I passed the test mm. and I am a librarian, no, but no, no I judgment. haven't read all of the Harry Potter books. No judgment. I have read the first two maybe, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Apparently the third one's the best, so I'm up to the good bit. <laughs> um, how about Jeanette Winterson? What a discovery. Um, I think I... Uh, I think I started reading Jeanette Winterson books earlier this year or late last year and I haven't stopped. And thankfully there's plenty to go. She's a great, reliable, all-time favourite author for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, My next would be The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. It's the story of a young woman in love with a man who's torn between his love for her and his incorrigible womanising and then one of his mistresses and her humbly faithful lover. It's just beautiful and about people being people. And I love it. Oh, and it also made me want to read Anna Karenina. There you go. And how'd you go with that? Yeah, I read it. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make the list, though, I noticed. <laughs> um, how about Lydia Yaknovich? How about her? How about her? She is a genius woman, writer. Um, her writing is really raw and urgent and immediate and corporate. Corp- can you say that word? Corporeal. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Tick uh, that word. Um, it's of the body. It's in the flesh. Uh, her writing has a beating heart and a 
taut skin stretched over it. You can feel her writing inside you. It's Sounds one, like a drum. Is there something physical about reading Lydia? Um, she's one of the most immersive writers I've ever read. You must read them all, or I certainly must read them all. Um, the Book of Joan is set in the future. It was came out earlier this year. It's brilliant. I just finished reading that. Small Backs of Children came out two years ago, which is sort of set in the now. And then Chronology of Water, which is the first book of hers that I read, was her memoir about being a swimmer and losing a baby and finding love and addiction and losing yourself and depression and being what it takes to just keep going every day. My goodness. Mm. Lydia Yaknovich. Great name too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Importance of Being Earnest and The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I can't pick between them. I think The Importance of Being Earnest is probably my favourite. And, yeah, I just love Oscar Wilde's writing. It's biting. It's critiquing of humanity yeah. at its best and at its worst. And it's just fun, super, super fun. And it's as, as relevant today as it ever was. Yeah. Can yeah. I second that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh I, I could second, like, most of yours as well. So... <laughs> Um, The Godfather by Mario Puzo. That's a book that stayed with me forever. And, you know, I really looked at it properly again last year when we did our books to film episode and I watched the movie for the first time and really thought about it so I could talk about it. And the book still is a shining jewel on my bookcase. Mm. Yeah. Anne of Green Gables series by L.M. Montgomery. I just can't not. That's a classic, yeah. Total classic. um, Reimagined at the moment with the new TV series out. So it's. There's uh, a new TV series? Yes, yeah. I haven't watched it yet myself. Um, I've heard it's quite a bit darker in a lot of ways. Um, Stays, sticks to the story, but, but. also focuses on things that aren't necessarily spelled out in the more traditional, <laughs> you know, so she's a, you know, in the foster system as an orphan. So clearly there's some darkness there and that comes mm. a bit more to light. I can't wait, actually. I, I am waiting for, I have a week off soon. I'm waiting <laughs> for when I can just go through it all and yes. um, and not have to, you know, pause or anything. I don't want to have that. So mm. um, that will be me with my blankie and my tea in front of the TV. <laughs> Um, but I will, in the meantime, be rereading those books. I love the whole series as well, not yeah. just um, Anne of Green Gables, but the whole entire series all the way through to the end and, and when Anne's grown up and has children. And, and then, the, then the last couple of books are actually focused on the children themselves yeah. as Rainbow Valley. And That's right. The, yeah, um, I just absolutely, you know, adore them. And, uh, yeah, they, they really strongly echo for me, memories of my childhood, completely mm. different childhoods, but um, I read those books and loved them and I had them read to me when I was little by my mom and I still have um, my Anna Green Gables book, which is a, a bigger book with um, illustrations and that lovely ribbon that you can put in between oh, the yeah. pages and it's a green ribbon. And so, yeah, really, um, fa- yeah, definitely up there with all-time favourites. Oh, Wow. I mean, there are so many more. I know. But I'm... we do have to limit these things sometimes, especially our final episode. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to pick all-time favourites. It is, it is. And I know I've left out so many and yeah. I know you've left out so many. Yes, I but have. you know what? There are another 27 Dear Reader episodes that people can go back to to find the other ones that we loved. Yeah. And yeah. All right, then I'm calling it. That's right. our final show. That's our show. That's all, folks. Um, You can read our show notes, including a list of all the books we've ever discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. We'd also love you to tell us what you're reading 
Or even tell us if you've picked up one of our recommendations and read it at any point. We'd love to know that we recommended something that you enjoyed. That would be cool. Or hated. Or hated, yeah. I'd I'd love to know that as well. (laughs) (laughs) You can keep tweeting us at melblibrary, M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y. Use the hashtag DearReader. That never expires. You can join our conversations on our Goodreads page. Don't forget you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. There are 28 episodes in total, so there's plenty to go back and listen to. Absolutely. And if you've liked what you've heard on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. Even if we're not doing it anymore, it'll help other people find out about it and give us a nice warm glow too when we think about it. The groovy music on our program is by Ben Mason. He's done a wonderful, wonderful job for us and we love him dearly. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au and to all our dear readers out there, thanks for listening.